Right, hello, hello. It's lovely to see you all here and to be here again, <laughs> unexpectedly, on a Sunday morning, um, sharing God's word. But what a privilege, again, to stand and share with you something that I feel is, to be honest, I'm preaching to myself. Um, I'm going to say stuff that I'm going to challenge myself with, and I hope it's going to challenge you as well. All right, so we're looking at discipleship, and I'm going to start with a story. Um, so I'm going to start the story by asking you, are you a hog or a hen? Okay. Are you a hog or a hen? A hog and a hen sharing the same barnyard heard about a church's program to feed the hungry. They discussed how they could help. The hen said, I've got it. We'll provide bacon, bacon and eggs from the church to feed the hungry. The hog thought for a moment and then said, there's one problem with your solution. For you, that only requires contribution. But from me... It will mean total commitment. That's the cost of true discipleship. Okay, there you go. It. There, there you've got it. Eggs and bacon. Think about it for a minute. Are you a hog or a hen? Are you someone that just likes to contribute or a, bit, a bit? Or are you fully committed, fully persuaded? And actually, that's quite extreme, isn't it? Because we know that in order to provide the bacon, the hog has got to actually sacrifice their life. Sorry if you love bacon. I do too. But yeah, that is the reality of it. Okay. So we're going to look at specifically four things about discipleship, and they kind of seem slightly paradoxical in some ways. We're going to look at the call and the commission, and we're going to look at the cost and the crown, and then we're going to finish with a couple of other points as well. So don't get excited when I've got to the end of the fourth one and you're thinking, oh, oh no, hang on. Okay, so um, if you think about it just for a minute, those first two, a call, you've been called. So Jesus has said, come follow me, like he said to the disciples. And then he says, go. He says, come and go. Come and go. All right. You've come to him. You found him. You've got saved. You've understood that he died for your sins and that you are forevermore his child. And one day you will see him face to face in heaven. Do you know what? I can't wait for that Jesus hug. I really can't wait for that Jesus hug. Can you imagine that? That moment when you step out of this earth into eternal glory and Jesus is there and he's just going to give you a huge hug. Maybe you're not a huggy person. Maybe you're just going to shake hands. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but I'm looking forward to that Jesus hug. But for now, we're here on the earth. So we've got the call and the commission. He's called us and he commissions us to go. There's a cost, a serious, a serious cost. We have the cross before us always. And if we've lost that in any way in our lives, we need to put it back in its place and keep it as our focus. The cost, but there is a crown at the end as well. Okay, I was quite happy that the seas came. I, woke, I, I was awake on Friday night. I was very, very tired because I'd had a couple of very busy teaching days. And um, I said to Rich, I said, oh, I just need to go to bed and sleep. But of course, I didn't sleep. Um, I was just awake and awake and awake and awake and awake. You know, like you are sometimes when you're overtired or you're just processing. And I said, okay, Lord, that's fine. You can give me the ideas for the sermon now if you want to. That's fine. I'd rather do that. So I got up and found a, a quiet place. And um, yeah, I just, I'd had the cost of discipleship on my mind all week. Um, and then, you know, you know how sometimes, um, and it doesn't always work with sermons and messages, but when it does it's fabulous um, <laughs> that God just kind of downloads some ideas and it's great when they alliterate I love alliteration because it helps me remember that's all the C's at the beginning okay 
So we're looking at a call. At its most basic, the Christian life is an answer to a call. You've answered a call if you've asked Jesus to be your saviour. Someone has heard the claims of Jesus and has said, yes, I believe you are the son of God. Or even, I'm not entirely sure who you are, but I just love what I see of you and I want to follow you and find out more. Because some, some people don't kind of sign up to everything straight away. And if you've got friends like that, then invite them to Alpha because you really will encourage them to think more deeply about that. But how did it begin? Who did Jesus call in the first place? If we look at the disciples, they were very different people. And actually, they were a bit of a ragtag bunch of ordinary people. Some of them despised. Sorry if you are somebody that works for Her Majesty's Revenue, but they were tax collectors, tax men and women. Just think, oh, gosh, really? Did Jesus really want tax, tax collectors in his gang? Yes, he did. Fishermen? Can you imagine how they might have smelt at the end of the day? I mean, I've walked around Brixham when they, they've come back in with a haul of fish. Everything smells. I mean, the fish is delicious, okay? Sounds like I'm a really anti-vegetarian person now. Talking about bacon and fish. But anyway, sorry, that wasn't intentional. Okay. But, you know, smelly people. People that are despised. Those are the people he caused. Unedu- he called uneducated people. Wow. Gosh, that's a surprise, isn't it? And then, of course, there were others who came near him, who listened to his message and hung around a bit. And then they said, I've done all this. I've done all this in my life. What do I need to do now? And Jesus says, you need to sell everything you've got and come and follow me. Sell everything you've got and come and follow me. And this young man goes away seriously upset, very, very sad because he was rich. Interesting, isn't it? And then others who wanted to follow, Jesus said, come and follow me. And they'll go, yes, yes, I want to, but I've just got to go and do this first. So other things are distracting. And this is what I'm challenging myself with. What is distracting me on a day-to-day basis from following Jesus more closely? What am I thinking? Oh, first of all, I'll just check my news feed. First of all, I'll just have a little look and see what my friends are doing online. First of all, I'll just watch the news. Something to kind of take my mind away from what I've been busy doing all day. And actually, no, Jesus is saying, come, follow me. Answer my call. Answer my call. It's quieter. It's a whispered call. It's not a shout like all the other social media stuff we have going on or the whatever else we've got in our lives. It's a quiet, gentle call. It's persistent, but we can allow the other stuff to drown out the voice of the master if we're not careful. I'm preaching to myself. So what is a disciple? What does it actually mean? If I looked it up in the dictionary, and of course there's loads of different definitions of it, but one I liked was dedicated follower. But dedication and discipline is involved. And we don't like discipline, do we? Nobody does. But it's good for you. <laughs> it's good to be disciplined. Um, following is involved, a dedicated follower. Being a lifelong learner too. And actually this isn't just good for us when we're young, learning learning is a good thing for us all through our lives. And there's a big thing now, isn't there, about us being learners. Um, and I heard somebody on the radio on my way home from work the other day saying that if you learn a poem in your middle and older age, you know, keep learning poems, keep learning. And I was thinking, that's the scripture. I've got to learn the scripture. Because actually that keeps all the synapses. Medical people, you'll understand what I'm talking about. I don't actually know what I'm talking about, but apparently there are synapses in your brain that are 
kind of restored and um, kept fresh and good, good to go. So we need to do those things. We're a lifelong learner. It's good for us physically as well as spiritually, obviously. Be a lifelong learner. He calls us to a better life. That's what Jesus is calling us to. And I'm not saying necessarily a financially better life. There are lots of preachers around the world that would tell you something different. But actually, he calls us to follow because the better, it's a better life because we're in harmony and in union and walking with him. We've got a big yoke at home. And I'm, I was tempted to bring it, but I know that Richard one day wants to use it in a talk, so I'm not going to steal his yoke thunder. But we've got this yoke that um, we found that someone was selling it on Gumtree, and it's a proper old-fashioned like this. It's like that. And um, we've got it sort of hanging up in the hall with lights around it, which is a bit random, but there you go. Um, yes. And the whole idea with the yoke is that it is a, it's, it's carved out of one huge piece of wood, and it's not going anywhere. If you've got that on you, and you've got someone there next to you, wherever they go, you go. Or one of you, being the stronger one, would lead where the other one goes. And that's the picture that Jesus uses when he talks about, come with me follow me, my yoke is easy and my burden is light, okay? Yes, you tie yourself to me. Let me be the, the stronger one that leads you and shows you where you've got to go and where you've got, and you might want to go off and do that, but I'm saying no, in my gentle voice, I'm taking you this way and this is the way we're going. So that's the picture. We are there with Jesus having a better life because we're in tandem with him, a forgiven life. All the things that we've done wrong are forgiven. And sometimes some of us have had to take some time not just accepting God's forgiveness, but accepting our own forgiveness. Sometimes we put ourselves above God, don't we? And we kind of go, oh, well, thanks, God. That's great. I'm really, and genuinely, I'm so happy that you've forgiven me. That really means so much. But actually, I'm still really annoyed with myself that I did that thing. I know, I've, I've been there, I've done that. I've accepted God's forgiveness, but I've actually put my own forgiveness above his by saying, oh, you know. And that's been a real challenge to me sometimes, saying, no, I've got to forgive myself as well and allow God's grace to cover all of it. So it's a life of purpose and freedom, a life which does good in the world. Jesus went about doing good. Isn't that amazing? Went about doing good. Um, some famous person once said that that was the, the bottom, bottom line challenge for her in her decision to become a follower of Jesus. She said, I realized he was going about doing good when I was just going about. And we do that, don't we? In so much of our lives, we just go about from one place to another, to another, to another. But Jesus goes about doing good and we're called to follow him. So we should be known as people that do good in the world whether it is just taking that extra minute with a colleague at work to check in, find out how they are, whether it's buying somebody donuts. I hope you enjoyed them this morning. That was me, by the way. <laughs> I'm a bit of a thing. I've got a bit of a thing for donuts. So um, if I'm on breakfast, I will bring donuts. Um, whether it's buying donuts for the staff at work or just the, the people that you hang out with in the office, just doing a good thing for somebody, visiting somebody in hospital taking time out, mowing your neighbor's lawn, doing good, intentionally doing good things, taking the initiative with good things. 
So it's a life that does good in the world. That's what he's calling us to. And having, the answered, and having answered the call of Jesus with a big yes, or even with a slightly tentative, yeah, I'm, I want to find out more about this, and we'll talk about that at the end. What next? So once we are his, once we have said, yes, I'm going to follow you, I want to be your disciple, he says, okay, now you can go. <laughs> it's quite funny, really, isn't it? Well, um, so what is a commission? A commission is an, an instruction, a command, or a role given to a person or a group. Or another version of the noun, a group of people entrusted by a government or other official body with authority to do something. So you see in the news a commission with a capital C, a commission of something, and it's a group of people that have been asked to do a particular job by an authority to look into a particular thing. Maybe there's been an injustice or whatever. That's a commission. But it's also a sending out, an instruction, a command, or a role. Okay? So both those things are absolutely true for this great commission that we're given at the end of Matthew 28. We're given authority to go and make disciples. The verses should be there. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Therefore go. Okay, that is our commission. It takes initiative. And as I've said already, the distractions that we have in our lives today probably make it even harder. We need to take the initiative, though. I like to think of commission as a community on a mission, okay? So it's not something we're just doing on our own, although we are scattered. And if any of you like reading around this very subject, um, I can recommend a book, and I know Aaron's read it as well, um, called Scattered Servants by Alan Scott, um, who's a pastor actually now in, in America. Um, but that's a brilliant book to read, which kind of helps you understand and has helped me understand my role in my job. Yes, here, but more crucially, actually, a job out, out in the world workplace, okay, in school, wherever we may be, okay. So we're a community on a mission. So we're out on our own, perhaps, doing our different jobs in our different roles during the week. And we come back together at certain points to remind ourselves, yes, we are community and we are on a mission together. That's what the commission is. The other part of this is in 2 Timothy 2.2, which says, entrust to other reliable witnesses. So this is Paul writing to Timothy. So Timothy is Paul's son in the faith. And Timothy is being told by Paul, listen, you can't do it all on your own. You've got this stuff that I have taught you. Now it's your turn to pass that on to others. Entrust to other reliable witnesses that then we'll be qualified to teach others. Can you see where this is going? Jesus starts by saying, all authority has been given to me. I'm sending you. You've seen what I've done, what I've been, how I am. Now, you know how to do that. I'm going to send you power from on high. Wait, I'm getting ahead of myself. Wait in Jerusalem and I will send you one just like me. In other words, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes, descends on them, empowers them. And Peter, who had just pre previously been denying Jesus, he's, he's been restored, but he's empowered. And he preaches an incredible sermon where thousands of people turn to Christ. 
That's what the empowering of the Holy Spirit does. So, we've got Paul writing to Timothy, saying, you entrust. This is a theme all the way through Scripture, okay? All the way through the New Testament. You can see people entrusting to others, people teaching others. This is what you should know. Pass it on. This is, what you need to, this is how you need to be. Pass it on. So, that's the commission. The cost. This is where it really gets uncomfortable. This is the challenge. It's going to cost us something. Actually, it's not going to cost us something. It's going to cost us everything. And this is where I kind of feel like, how can I stand and say this? Because it's, it's cost, it, it should cost us everything. Here's a little quote I read by someone called David Mathis. Perhaps what might help us over our hurdles is not to hide how costly disciple-making is but to be utterly honest and explicit about the costs and hold them out in the light for us to see and then find whether something in us might just rise to the peculiar glory of it all. God makes foolish the wisdom of the world with its shortcuts and mass production through the folly of disciple-making as he did when his son took a ragtag band of uneducated peasants, invested in them at depth, and laughed them at... <laughs> laughed. There's autocorrect. I think that should say launched. Launched them out to change the world. <laughs> go on then, boys, off you go. No, launched them out to change the world. <laughs> That's great. I was like, oh, yes. Hmm. Don't remember reading that. Okay. He makes foolish the wisdom of the world with its shortcuts and mass production through the folly of disciple-making. Seems foolish, doesn't it? Go and tell other people. Encourage them on their way. Help them to learn about Jesus. Seems foolish. Seems a folly. But actually, that's just what Jesus did with his ragtag band. I'm glad he didn't choose professors and lawyers. and pe Nothing against being a professor and a lawyer, by the way. But I'm glad he didn't choose people that were already arrived in their station in life and very pompous and proud. He just chose ordinary folks like you and me. It is going to cost us everything. If we're following Jesus, he was obedient even to death on a cross, Philippians 2 tells us. He actually says, if anyone would follow me, he must deny himself Pick up his cross and follow. Tough words, aren't they? Back in those days, you only picked up your cross if you were about to go and die. You only picked up your cross because you had been ordered to do it because you were about to go and be crucified. And Jesus says, if you're following me, you're picking up your cross. Bonhoeffer mention him every time I speak. He wrote this, when Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. There's more though, because it's actually not always, and for us in the West, rarely a physical death. It's actually about priorities. It's about toiling and struggling, and it's about prioritizing what we know is the best thing to do in a given situation for the glory of God, for the kingdom of God. 
The words in Colossians 1.29, toil and struggle, this is Paul again saying, this is what I've done. I've toiled and I struggled among you. I labored. The toil means to grow weary, exhausted through toil. I'm sure all of us have been at a point sometimes when we have been physically and mentally even so exhausted by our work. And I've been there. I'm regularly there, if I'm honest. Um, If I've had a really heavy day in the classroom, I come home and sometimes Richard will just say, I'll talk to you when you've kind of come around a bit because I just need that space on the sofa with a cup of tea. And sometimes I kind of do this <laughs> and just have 10 minutes. I'm great after that. It's all good. Um, seriously, I am. I'm a great believer in napping. Not on the job, though, I have to say. <laughs> it's, not, it's not where we are. But... If Jesus gave everything for us, then why can't we make ourselves weary for him? And the struggle that Paul talks about, that could be translated into the kind of effort that is made by an athlete when they are training for a prize. Okay, now I've never been that into athletics or, you know, doing long runs like some people do. Um, I like going for a walk down by the river, and that's about as far as it gets, really. But I really admire these people. And I, there's a lady that runs near where I am. She, she, I think she must do about a four-mile circuit every morning. In fact, I realized that I'd heard her for months before I'd actually met her because I would be sitting up in bed enjoying my cup of tea, and I'd hear outside the window. And I'm just thinking, what kind of a nutter is that? You know? But she makes herself so tired. I see her. And I, oh, But that's actually a picture of how we should be making ourselves. Okay. Now we need to kind of balance that off. And obviously there are other things in our lives that we need to give priority to. But really, I want to challenge myself and you to say, what are we actually doing in discipleship making? What kind of a struggle or an effort do we put in? Okay, that leads us to the crown, which is kind of the paradox thing. There's a, such a cost, but there is such a crown. Paul's writing is a great storytelling example of discipleship. Um, in Philippians 4 verse 1, he talks about the Philippians being his joy and crown. Um, there's a, actually, when, you know how sometimes you read scripture and you think, oh yeah, I know, I know what that says, I know what that says. And then you read it with a different slant. You read it thinking, I'm going to do a talk on discipleship. I need to have some good verses Um, And actually, I have just discovered the most beautiful chapter in 1 Thessalonians. In fact, all of 1 Thessalonians, this is part of my challenge, which is coming in a minute. All of 1 Thessalonians is an example of exactly what we're talking about. You can see the call, you can see the suffering, the cost, you can see the commission, you can see the whole lot in here. Um, I'm just going to read you a few verses, starting at 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 8. Well, actually, and I'll read the first one. You know, brothers and sisters, that our visit to you was not without results. We had previously suffered and been treated outrageously. Treated outrageously. You know, our soft Western Christianity, where we come on a Sunday morning and just kind of, you know, it's, it's all about me, Jesus And all this is for me, for my glory and my... No, actually, we've got it wrong. But actually, sometimes we can be thinking that while we're singing the other, the real version. It's not about us. It can't be about us anymore. We've got to abandon that Western way of thinking and say, hang on, this is all about Jesus. I'm here for Jesus. He is the reason. 
been treated outrageously, as you know, but with the help of our God, we dared to tell you his gospel in the face of strong opposition. Wow. Verse 8. We cared for you because we loved you so much. We were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Surely you remember, brothers and sisters, our toil and hardship. We worked night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preached the gospel of God to you. You are witnesses, and so is God, of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you who believed. For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. And we also thank God continually because when you received the word of God which you heard from us, you accepted it not as a human word but as it actually is, the word of God which is at work in you. And you became imitators of God's churches in Judea which are in Christ Jesus. You suffered from your people the same thing those churches suffered who killed the Lord Jesus and the prophets who also drove us out. But brothers and sisters, when we were orphaned by being separated you from you for a short time, in person, not in thought, out of our intense longing, we made every effort to see you. For we wanted to come to you, certainly I, Paul, did again and again, but Satan blocked our way. For what is our hope, our joy, or the crown in which we will glory in the presence of the Lord Jesus when he comes? Is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and our joy. Okay, now I know some of you might be thinking, all right, this is, we're talking the Apostle Paul, Sarah, okay? He's not just your average bloke. But actually, his message in all his letters is that what he has received, he's passing on to the Christians, the ordinary everyday Christians in that first century, who didn't, whose names we don't know. But because of their faithfulness and the faithfulness of church people, year on year, generation on generation, passing the message down, we are blessed to stand where we stand today. Isn't that incredible? Their faithfulness has brought us to this point here. And we have got to take on their baton, as it were, and say, okay, thank you, I've got it now. It's our turn to run. It's our turn to take on what it is that God has given us. Because what we're doing is, we're working for him. And actually, I can say this, my children are stunningly, fabulously wonderful. And I guess most mothers would say the same, and dads as well. And they are a continual source of joy to me and to Rich. But you know what? I can actually say, I have equal joy. I have equal joy knowing the people that I have brought to Christ that are still going on with God. I look at them and I say, they are my joy and my crown. I look at them and they message me and they tell me things and they say, you never guess what God said to me. Or thank you for praying, I feel so much better. Or I've been healed because of da-da-da-da-da. And you just kind of go, this is my joy and my crown. These are the people that I am bringing with me. When I go to heaven one day... I'm going to stand before Jesus and he's going to say, and do you realize all these people that are here because of you? And I'll be going, really? Well, I knew about her and him and her, but where, 
Whoop. And it will actually be because of other things that I've done. I've gently spoken. I've done something. And it's the same for all of us. Okay? We can learn from the Apostle Paul. We can say, yes, there are people that we just know God is going to call into his kingdom. And we've got to be there and be the person that God needs us to be in that moment to bring them in. They are our crown. And actually, what we will do when we get to heaven and we are handed this crown... I'm just going to throw it at his feet. And there's an old hymn that says something like that, casting our crowns before thee, lost in wonder, love, and praise. That's what we will be doing. We won't actually be worried about that because all we'll be doing is worshipping Jesus, the lamb who was slain. What an incredible challenge. But what an incredible joy as well to know that people's names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life because we paid the price. We weren't worried about the cost we got on and did it the joy of investment one of the great verses um that again i love my mum put it she bought it as a poster and put it up in um my mine and my sister's bedroom when i was a teenager um and it had a picture of two little girls one with dark hair one with um blonde hair which was me and my sister and it just you know um just had the words from three john Verse 4, I have no greater joy than to know that my children are walking in the truth. And that is absolutely true. It's true for me with my children, my, my physical earthly sons, three of them. Absolutely true. But alongside that, as I've said, it's, it's the people that I have seen come into the kingdom of God through Alpha courses that we've run, through different things. Absolutely gorgeous. Okay, so my challenge to you is this. Spend an extra 15 minutes in uninterrupted quiet time this week. Okay, now if you want to do that every day, that would be brilliant. And that's what I was thinking. And then when I typed it out, I thought, that sounds like it. Anyway, it's up to you. Spend an extra time, whatever you can make. Spend that extra time in quiet before God and just let some of these words settle into your heart. I want to challenge you to read 1 Thessalonians through, but open your notepad and your pen and jot down things. Have these four words in your head, the call, the commission, the cost and the crown, have those four things in your mind and say, oh, where, where's that verse? And do a little bit of a Bible study through that particular book. It's only, I think it's five chapters. You should, you should easily be able to do it. Allow God's word to challenge you to a new area of discipleship within yourself. Because actually, we can't lead somewhere where we haven't been ourselves. Okay? So I'm going to try and do this as well. No, actually, I'm going to do it. Okay? Because we try, don't we? And I'm really good at saying that. I'll try. Jesus didn't try to die for our sins. He just did it. He just did it. Okay? And we can be so woolly, can't we? Sorry, I'm being really... (laughs) Allow God's word to challenge you. Freely you have received. Freely give. So when you've learned something new, you've got something to share. Ask God to open your eyes to the opportunities that are around you. Don't be afraid. Take the initiative. If, you th- if it comes into your mind that that person needs a little bit of extra TLC or something, or even just a you know, thump on the arm, all right, mate, how we... Ah, oh, you're not all right, are you? One of those moments. Go with it. Go with that moment because that is the Holy Spirit giving you an indication. He's not telling you to be weird. He's not telling you to go all kind of on someone. you just got to... You know what feels comfortable, but also you feel a little bit uncomfortable because God's taken you out of your comfort zone because that's because he loves that person. He wants that person to find him. It's a, it's, it's, it's a kind of, just experiment with it. You'll learn what's weird and what isn't. 
Um, so take the initiative with those around you and then finally connect. So we've had our four C's and when we've got cha a challenge and a connect, it's just amazing how it all flowed together as six C's. I mean, who'd have thought it? Take some initiative to find someone that you can pray with, share with, learn together and encourage. So if you kind of feel like somebody in this room or somebody in your connect group has really, you think, oh, they'll have really enjoyed that or got something from that, have a word with them and say, do you want to pray together regularly? Do you want to... Um, Let's, should we do something about this together and, and maybe ask each other how we're getting on? Have you read the 1 Thessalonians thing? Have you, have you done it yet? You know, text them in the week. Sort that out. Ask God together how he wants you to fulfill his commission. Share. Ask ideas. Connect group leaders. When you meet up this week or whenever you next meet, think about these things. Discuss what you can do. Strengthen yourselves through the costly times. There will be more time. There are some times that are more costly than others. And that isn't always because of the cost of discipleship. It is just sometimes because of the cost of life. And the Richardsons have been going through a very costly time right now. How can we strengthen each other? How can you strengthen somebody in your connect group who has had a tough time or is going through challenges? And always remember that the crown awaits. Always remember that the crown awaits. Some of you know, because I've talked about this, but that my mum is... Um, not very well. She had quite a bad stroke three years ago and she's in a wheelchair now. And um, mentally she's good, but she physically can't do much. And um, she said to me recently, while I was just helping her with some things, she looked at me and she said, Sarah, when I die, please don't be sad. And we were about that far apart. Our faces were very close. And I went, oh, mum. She said, no. She said, really, I don't want you to be sad she said I want you to remember this she said I can't wait to get to heaven she said I I just want to be there I want to be who I really am once more she said I am going to run around I'm gonna jump I'm gonna dance I'm gonna cartwheel I'm gonna throw my arms around everybody that I've loved and I'm gonna worship Jesus she said, it's the crown I'm waiting for and I just can't wait to get there. So please, I will be in such a happy place. Just don't be sad. Please don't be sad. And I was standing there. By this time, I had tears rolling down my cheeks because, you know, and I, I just felt incredibly privileged that at that moment she'd said that to me. And I went and wrote it all down in my diary, um, you know not straight away because that would have been a bit awkward but um, <laughs> later that day I was like what, was, what did she say what did she say wrote it down she's waiting for her crown let's encourage one another with these words even more as we see the day approaching which is that final day the only th other thing I wanted to ask you is this maybe this morning you've come into church and you haven't yet answered the call of Jesus Maybe you're thinking, what on earth is all this about? My goodness me. Well, first of all, Alpha would be a fantastic place to start on Wednesday evening this week. Does it start? Yeah, Wednesday evening. But before then, if you want to accept Jesus and just say, I need to get to know you more. I just think I'm really interested in finding out about this because I need something to live for. We don't actually find our purpose, do we, until we've found something that is worth dying for. And that's what this is. Should we stand together?
So, Lord Jesus, we just want to say a thank you which never seems big enough for the incredible price you paid for our freedom, for what it cost you to bring us back to yourself. Thank you. And we acknowledge that the thing we can do, the only real thanks we can give, is by living a life that honours your sacrifice. So maybe if you're really feeling that this morning and you're just sensing, God, this is really uncomfortable, gosh. But you think, I've got to do this. Just put your hands out in front of you. It's a way of saying, I'm here, God. I'm giving you myself. Here I am. But at the same point, you're saying, fill me with your spirit. Empower me to be your witness. Empower me to fulfill the commission that you have for my life. And if you are somebody that this is all new to and you want to give your life to Jesus, can I ask if you want to do that? If you just put your hand up now. Everyone else has got their eyes shut, so I can see you if that's what you want to do. I can come and talk to you at the end. Okay. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let's sing our final song together and let's hold on to what God has spoken to us this morning and let's challenge each other, okay? We are in community. We have got a commission. We are a community on a mission. God bless you.